Hi, Cole here, creator and narrator of The Town Whispers. It's been a long summer, but the leaves once again fall, and with autumn comes longer nights that beg for darker tales. And to fill those long, cold evenings, I've launched a brand new podcast called Tiny Terrors. Tiny Terrors is a nostalgic horror anthology series that is as fun as it is dark. Join three friends as they delve into a forgotten corner of storytelling history and bring to light the darker depths yet still hidden in those often untraveled corners. Subscribe, listen, and review Tiny Terrors wherever you listen to podcasts. The Town Whispers is a narrative horror audio drama that will tell the many stories hidden behind the fog and the rain, and the trees of the Pacific Northwest. But that which was birthed years before Mildred, and many years before Peggy, are why. Listener discretion is advised. Upon returning to his cabin, feet kicked through the freshly fallen snow packed tight under his weight, Jacob Mortimer saw the front door to his cabin, swinging wide open and inviting. A gust pushed him forward, pushed him home, pushed him to whatever could have opened his front door, and Jacob felt a chill run through the slim sliver of space where muscle met bone. He stepped cautiously up to his cabin and saw what he had been most afraid to find, wet, half-frozen footprints, where snow had melted from the ambient heat before freezing once again from the cold outside rushing through the open door. Those footprints covered the floor, crisscrossing over themselves as they searched for something, but the feet that had left those footprints were not that of a man. The footprints which dotted the floor of his cabin were inconsistent, as if what it was moved while in a state of metamorphosis, while it changed, stalking through his private space as it shifted from shape to shape, neither deciding on one, or being fully able to discern one shape from another. The footprints led to his desk, where his papers and pens had sat, where he had left it hours earlier with a half-finished page of his work still sitting in place. The manuscript which he had been working on had been thrown about, as if caught by a wind and sent flying chaotically about the room, except for one page, which still sat in place. Whatever it was that had ransacked his tiny abode, whatever it was that had come to terrorize him and shatter the illusion that that day was no different than any other, had left him a note. 
With a shaky hand, Mortimer lifted it to his eyes and stared at his own name, written in crude handwriting. Jacob T. Mortimer. His breath caught before it reached out his mouth. It knew his name. No. You won't stop me now. You can't stop me. I know what you are. Those pages which had been thrown about with care were the product of years of writing and decades of research. And proof of that filled the space. Mortimer's cabin was strewn with textbooks, stolen from archives in some long-forgotten heretical church, while others were from his own private collection, a series of journals and notes, the collective knowledge of all those who had come before him who had sought a name, the true name of a thing that had no name and was unknowable. But... Those books weren't the end to his findings. No, some of the texts were then stuffed with more sheets of notes that Jacob had meticulously hand-copied from the more delicate tomes he had studied. Better than most he knew, or thought he knew, how the shadows of things worked. How shadows meant absence, and absence meant privacy, but what if that shadow, that absence of light, that meant privacy was that which listened and watched most intently. When Jacob was younger, he had sought some universal constant, a single, ultimate truth. And that arrogance hadn't been received well. It had been taken as narcissism. Jacob was the boy who would not play well with others. And that as well drove him deeper into his work. Over time, it only became clear to him that he needed to disconnect from the world. Both problems were solved when he moved away from the watchful eyes of less helpful or welcoming neighbors in the fort, their growing foundling of a town. When it had been warmer both in the seasons of the year as well as the seasons of his youth, he had built his cabin, and there Jacob tore himself away from the world of man. That cabin... His cabin was where he could finally be as far removed as he would need to be to hear the whispers of things buried deep in time. It had been lonely at first, only being kept company by the somber essence of the trees around him. But that's what he wanted. That's what he needed. That was a necessary sacrifice. And for a time it was. Because Jacob had found his ultimate truth the last and final word of what he had searched for for so long. It had many names. Aether, Chi, Lifeblood, Source, Magic, whatever. But he understood it as an Aether that enveloped everything. Where the Aether was concentrated, life sprouted forth. More Aether meant more complicated creatures. So, what had driven Jacob into the woods was the understanding that everything was connected. And that meant there was really no way to run from what Jacob sought to distance himself from. He knew there were no true boundaries between living things, just inked lines, some as arbitrary as the borders drawn between nations on maps. 
Jacob had tried desperately to stretch those connections to their breaking points and free himself from the world, but had done nothing more than break himself away from it, with the ichor of mankind stuck to his back. In order to be free, to be truly free, he would need a name. His name. His true name. The name by which the Aether flowed and festered. But so far he'd been at a loss and instead searched for the true name of other things in that new world where the fort had been built. He would need the names of other things so that they might be able to tell him his true name. Jacob was blinded by his own ambition, blind to the truth that a true name held true power over that which it was named. And by asking those things which sought to pluck and pull at the strings of his fate, he was stepping ever closer to an edge from which there was no return. Jacob collected the pages of his manuscript and dumped them back onto his desk. He gave the cabin a slow glance, taking stock of what remained untouched and what had been dashed upon the floor. As he moved, he instinctively tapped the dead rats he had hung from the ceiling for good luck. Dead things were the void in the aether, or so he thought. But the vacuum of a void must be filled, and Jacob ignorantly had no idea what he was pulling towards himself. Jacob had crafted and equipped his cabin with dozens of tools, all crude and archaic instruments. Anything which made too much light, or heat, or which hummed as it worked was a danger. It was too much. Jacob's mouth went dry whenever he thought about something reaching into him from the network of roots which ran below his feet. But it was the combustion and the light and the heat of mechanical things that hummed that Jacob needed to stay safe. If only he had truly understood what it was he aimed to confront he might have been able to understand that all of his precautions had only hastened its approach. He took a moment to light a fire, the knobs of coal burning bright. This was his one exception, a necessary trade-off to live in a wintry cabin, the heat of a well-tended fire. And unknown to Jacob, the licking flames and heat of bursting bubbles of sap in the dry wood was all that kept him safe in those last few weeks. Jacob went back into the cold, slamming the door behind him. He picked up his hatchet from where it leaned against the outer wall and stomped toward the pine thicket behind the cabin. How careful he had been to build his fortress here, every detail accounted for, or else accepted as a risk worth taking in his crusade. Oh, the irony of wading into knowledge. Only once Jacob was in the riptide did knowledge seem to reveal itself, as the pieces began to pull together by their tendons like a puppet pulled together by its strings. Jacob began to feel the dread of knowing it was already too late to save himself. Even out here, a blank white canvas, with pine trees like columns in a temple fashioned to be a winter grove, Jacob could feel the pressing aether against his skin. There was so much teeming life that sought to tear him down, and he was only finally beginning to realize 
that perhaps he had actually been safest while pressed shoulder to shoulder with neighbors and townsfolk alike. What was the use of all this precaution? What was the point of this war against what Jacob was coming to realize was purely nature itself if he could be unraveled like a knot with just a name? His own name written on a piece of paper, not even his true name, which he had searched so long to reclaim. Jacob clenched the hatchet with frustration as he thought about being pulled around like a mouse, being toyed with by a cat, leashed by his name to an aether which not only housed himself, but that which would be forever unknowable to Jacob T. Mortimer as he was. When he built his cabin... He could feel the thrum of the forest when he closed his eyes. It had been serene and calm, merely the gentle pulse of a living world. But over time, Jacob had felt it manifest, and he had begun to see that manifestation in shadows that darted between trees and the claw marks left at his door. Jacob had even gone to the river once for water and seen its reflection over his shoulder for what was only a fraction of a second, before the ripples of his own bucket catching water sent it floating away. Finishing his research was all that mattered. Putting his scattered thoughts, his compendium of unorganized knowledge onto paper so that he could see it more clearly. Whatever stalked him, Whatever had manifested from the thrumming aether of the forest would come for him, but he could live off anything, so long as the walls of his small and insignificant cabin stood. He'd suck the blood out of rats, chew splinters from his bedpost. Jacob was a pragmatist. If he had to spend the rest of his days numbered as they were, starving to death at his desk in order to complete his work, he would. Because what was the point of all of this? his research, the painful understanding that prickled in his mind like frostbite, if he couldn't complete it. If he could put together the pieces of that impossible puzzle, it wouldn't have been a life wasted. It would only be the beginning of an eternity for Jacob to learn more and grow into something that was more than human. He slowed as he approached a pine tree hatchet in hand, And for a minute, he shoveled snow away from the base of the tree until he had found the tapping equipment which he had left before the snowfall. With a grunt, Jacob began stripping bark from the pine tree. Piece by piece, he flayed bark from the tree like he was skinning a deer. When the wound had opened up wide enough, He flicked his hatchet around and used the butt to hammer the iron stint into the tree. Sap would soon follow quickly to heal the cut, but would be redirected into a bucket, and in a few minutes he'd have enough. Jacob found he didn't have to wait long. Despite the cold weather, the sap began to flow into his bucket, the viscous liquid pooling much faster than it should be, through a half-cracked knot in the wood paneling of his bucket the sap began to drip out before Jacob could wrestle a wad of lint from his pocket to plug the hole. The sap fell onto the snow, ruby red, dark, and thick. Steam rose where it fell. The snow sizzled as it melted. 
The air crackled between the trees as nerves communicated to one another. Jacob could feel himself standing in the jaws of a massive beast. Air pushed in around him, pressing his clothes to his body, as if the forest was breathing and he was about to be consumed. He stood there, transfixed, watching as the sap melted the snow and falling through and out of sight. Jacob pressed his hand against the tree, feeling that familiar thrumming of the woods around him in time with his own heartbeat. Jacob shook his head violently, pulling himself away, and spun as a twig snapped behind him. He ran a hand nervously around the collar of his coat as he peered into the woods, still gripping the hatchet tight. On a branch, in a dense cluster of trees, stood an owl. Its feathers appeared to be dipped in tar and ash, matted in black. It blended into the shadows cast by the pines, as if the light would not stick to it. Jacob stared at the owl as it turned its head to him. Two divots of black feathers lay where its eyes would have been. Jacob knew it was staring back at him, but it had no eyes. Under Jacob's gaze, the owl's talons began picking at the branch it stood on, like razor blades it sliced patiently through the bark. The owl was imitating him, cutting into the pine tree the way he had. Jacob's knees began to buckle as he felt the weight of its gaze on him. He tried to turn and run, but his left knee buckled as he fell into a snowbank. Brushing snow from his face, Jacob looked up to find the owl once more, but it had flown away, now just a shadow descending deeper into the dark trees. The owl, which had had no eyes, had seen him, had marked him, had taken a tally of all of his faults and judged the frailty of his human self. It knew his true name. Scrambling to his feet, Jacob ran for the cabin door, tripping through the snowbanks like a small child. He cleared the threshold and slammed the door behind him. He had left the fort, because even a small town was too much for him. He didn't want any part of it. He wanted to be cut loose to drift on his own with nothing to grab onto. That was the peace he dreamed of. And where did it take him but to the forest? He had seen the trees as plants, devoid of sentient thought, but now he saw his mistake. The wilderness that surrounded the fort was more aware and more knowing and more seeing than he could have ever imagined, and he could feel that collective consciousness begin to close around him. He felt the plucking of the tendons in its hand as its grip tightened. He could feel the man himself, Jacob T. Mortimer, begin to fade. Jacob dipped his hands frantically into the bucket of ruby red sap which had flowed unnaturally from a simple pine tree in the woods outside his cabin and began to paint himself with it. He stripped his clothes, kicking off his boots and throwing his jacket aside as he slapped the sap on his skin, sealing himself, protecting himself, coating himself in the blood of the woods. The same blood whatever hunted him now had been born of. 
With a hiss, the fire went out as a hulking mass of ash and soot landed in the hearth, sending embers and hot coals scattered across the room that let off just enough light to silhouette the long-fingered hand slowly reaching out of the mass. The fingers were bent and twisted and kept on doing so as the hand began to resemble a foot, and then a hoof and then back to a hand, not quite deciding what form it would hold, if something such as it could even hold one. The cabin fell into complete darkness. Jacob stood petrified, but resolute was a hand covered in fine black fur and twig-like fingers brushed against his face. You can't beat me! You won't beat me! I know what you are! But somewhere in his gut, no matter how unwilling to listen to it he was, Jacob knew he did not. His own arrogance blinded him. The manifestation, the owl, the hunter, glided through the dark before folding itself around silly little Jacob, covered head to toe in sap. Its arms, with too many joints, spilled over each other as it clutched his body gently. He could feel where its fur gave way to scales, and in other places feathers or dark, crackled skin. I am more than you. I am man, and you will do as I command. It peeled itself away from Jacob, the sap tendrils connecting the two, stuck to Jacob the same as it was stuck to the beast as it reared to its full height. Jacob D. Jacob said nothing, trying to hold back his smile, not trusting that the beast could not see him in the dark. You will obey me. I don't think I will. You'll let me in, and I will consume you. You have no choice. You've bound your skin, but you speak still. Jacob stood shaking and terrified, but defiant too sure of his own plans and hiding his smirk. You will obey me, Jacob. You will obey me. You will obey me, Mortimer. The beast tenderly and with force clutched him once more before it began to dissolve. The beast, no longer corporeal, tired of feigning its own shape, rushed down Jacob's throat, filling all the tiny spaces where muscle met bone and splitting one from the other before knitting itself in those impossibly small places. 
Jacob T. Mortimer could feel the corners of his mouth split as the smoke and ash of the beast rushed down his throat and into him, possessing him. Jacob could feel it writhing inside of him as it began to find the pulleys and levers as it picked the vaulted door to his mind. There was only that moment for Jacob's plan to succeed. With little cooperation from his body, Jacob tossed the papers that sat atop his desk in a messy pile towards embers which still burned dimly along the cold floorboards, hoping and praying they'd catch fire. Jacob staggered, commanding his legs to obey him, commanding that which infested the core of his body and soul to obey him to stay still for just a moment longer as he poured what remained of the sap, the blood of the woods atop his head. And clumsily, with immense strain, Jacob walked towards the papers which had begun to smoke and brighten. If only he could just fall down beside that flame, then the sap could catch... Flames of a fire purify, but they also melt and bond whatever's placed within, such as a man, the blood of the woods, and a beast. When he awoke, he was no longer Jacob T. Mortimer. He wasn't Jacob at all. He had found his true name the name which he'd been given by that which cannot be known. And he began to laugh as he pulled his blackened and burnt body off the floor and brushed himself off. He walked to the cabin door, wobbling at first, but gaining strength as he pulled the door open and stared out into the forest in the cold. Ah, why thank you he said, addressing the trees that swayed uneasy. Thank you very much for this wonderful gift. How did you know it's exactly what I wanted? Today's episode was written and performed by Cole Weavers. Sound production and editing by Matt Black. Our theme song is by the amazing Charlie P.S. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter, at The Town Whispers. Now, the fort is a town like no other, and there are many things to discover for those who are willing to see. Those who are willing to listen to the words and the vowels and the consonants made by the whistles in the wind. Have you considered joining us at the town hall? which you can find at Patreon at www.patreon.com slash the town whispers. The town council has been diligent enough to go to the Patreon and set up goals that include digital rewards, as well as physical for those first few who walk through the streets of the fort. Have you signed and sealed your citizenship to the fort by visiting us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at the town whispers? If you haven't, you might want to do so. There we will be divulging secrets of a different kind, 
such as Patreon-exclusive storylines, additional short stories, merch and swag, and much more to come. So make sure if you are one who is willing to face a thing with no face, that you meet us at patreon.com slash thetownwhispers. For more information on the show, head on over to www.thetownwhispers.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.